Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey friends, it's your host, Caitlin Aber. Today's episode is a really special one. We're going to be talking about our best friends, our dogs. She's mostly a cat in a dog's body. How stubborn she is. I've been wait, trying to get her up for five minutes to go. She's actually being very nice right now, but a lot of times people will try and go to pet her and she just looks away because she doesn't care about almost anything besides her parents and cheese. My whole life is scheduled around the two times a day that she poops. He likes to hide in our bed and pretend like we don't see him when we go get him out of it. He's the best cuddler. For me and my rescue pup, Frankie, it's kind of complicated. Things that we kind of want her to look for. <laughs> very excited right now. But more on that later. We'll also be chatting with Lonnie Edwards of The Dog Agency and celebrity dog mom Katie Storino about the highs and lows of Instagram canine fame. This is why Toast is special is because she was a professional. But let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. We should probably start at the very beginning, the process of adopting a doggo. Because it's no small deal. Your best friend may just have a tendency to bark, chase, chew up your favorite shoes, and probably pee on your bed. A few times. Amanda Richards, Bustle's senior fashion features editor, recently adopted a dog herself and learned a lot in the process. My dog's name is Paul. He is a wire terrier mix. Um, we got him at North Shore Animal League America in Port Washington, New York. Did not expect to adopt a puppy, but I did. And so we're in the throes of puppydom right now. Is there anything about having a dog that surprised you, grossed you out, makes you feel differently about life in general? I feel really accountable to the dog in a way that I don't feel accountable to my boyfriend. That probably sounds so bad. (laughs) My boyfriend is a human being. But I've been with my boyfriend for so long that I am really comfortable kind of letting him steer the ship when I don't feel like it and when I'm kind of down or just not feeling super mentally well. But when, like, the dog looks at me and it's like, you can tell in his eyes, he's like, get your ass up and, like, let's go for this walk. I'm like, okay. Like, I feel like he's, like, in a way, like, judging me to the point where I'm like, okay, we'll go. As far as gross, literally everything is gross. Having a dog, people joke, oh, my God, my dog did the grossest thing. But, like, they're dawn until dusk, they are making disgusting decisions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like... I do know what you mean. Yeah, you know. It, it's like they never stop. If given the opportunity to be repulsive, they will take it, no matter what. They'll take what. it. And they they don't feel shame. Um, no. You know, like, no matter how much you might say, like, bad dog, mm-hmm. they're kind of like, I'm going to eat another cat turd yeah. when you're not looking. I've received the look more than once of, like, what's wrong with you for stopping me from eating this trash? Like, how dare you? Like, what could possibly be going through your mind? Like, what I'm doing eating this trash is a great idea. You adopted Paul two months ago. Two months ago. Mm -hmm. And what was your process for finding a dog? I know you said you weren't sure that you wanted a puppy. Mm -hmm. Um, Walk me through 
how you started looking and how you came to find Paul. So we were looking using mostly websites like shelter websites and social media, um, which is a really kind of new-ish, interesting way to find a dog. I was looking exclusively at older dogs because I didn't want to train a puppy and also because I figured that if I was stable enough to have a dog, then I could take on the challenge of having a dog that nobody else kind of wanted. Um, And throughout the process of meeting these dogs that had emotional problems that were aggressive, I realized that I had no idea what I was doing with an older dog or a dog with problems. Like, it's all fine and good to be like, wow, this dog, I'm going to take it and save its life and make it have like the best life ever. But if you don't know how to like react when a dog is being aggressive, especially because a lot of these older dogs in shelters, at least in New York, are huge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you don't know how to handle it, then it kind of it, it defeats the point, you know what I mean? Defe- defeats the purpose of trying to save a dog. So we went through and we we had a bunch of heartbreak, right? So we would meet dogs, older dogs, trouble dogs, and then the shelter would decide like, mm, we don't really think that you have enough experience for this. Or someone would take the dog before we got there. Or my boyfriend and I would ha- have like our own conflict. And so it was hard. When I finally went to North Shore, I kind of went there not with any expectation. And everyone was like, you're getting a dog today. It's going to be a puppy. And I was like, I don't want a puppy. Sure enough, you see, (laughs) you see the right puppy. Cause I had this whole theory, right? That a puppy, all it was doing was like manipulating me with its cuteness. Like you don't know what a puppy's going to be like as an adult. You're just like, you're cute. So you know know what I mean? And I was not like that. I was like, I don't care if this dog is the ugliest dog like on the planet. I don't care. And I will not be manipulated by a puppy. But I was, to be fair, he didn't look like all the other puppies. One thing you said is that um, having a dog for you represents stability. What were some of the things that were indicators to you that you were ready for that? And I think then also what were things that as you were in this process of looking for a dog, were the red flags that you were like, this is not the right dog for me? I think in the last year we've my boyfriend and I have been through a lot. We, we've been together for a really long time. But in the last year, we broke up. We lived separately. Then the apartment that we shared together that I stayed in burned down. So it was just like sort of like this chaotic like year of just – I felt like I couldn't get anything done. And, and stability was not even a word that you know I could even consider. And then we finally got this apartment that we both love. We're back together. We've sort of entered into a new understanding of what our relationship is. And I was just like – I don't know, it just, it felt right. And then in terms of finding the right dog, I think I was just so convinced of this idea I had of the kind of dog owner that I would be. And every dog that I met convinced me that I was not going to be that kind of dog owner. I mean, I just feel like you get a a sense of an animal when you meet it. Um, It's not sort of like an extension of you or like your sort of vision for how you want the relationship to be. They have their own personalities like people. And every time I would meet these dogs, they would look at me as if to say like, you can't handle it. <laughs> you know, like yeah, there's no way you can handle me. I feel like the dogs knew before I did what kind of dog owner I needed to be in a way. That's really interesting. I mean, is it? I feel like it's, it might sound like insane. <laughs> it might sound like no, really I crazy. Mean, I think a dog that knows like I need these resources or I need this person to have this much experience mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm not somebody's puppy mm-hmm. <laughs> might be able to tell you that. I mean, they're really intuitive. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank um, you for having everyone me. needs to go and read your story on bustle.com. And 
and tell Paul we say hi. I will. Woof, woof. <laughs> She's thrown up and then eaten all of her throw up before we can clean it up. My dog ate a piece of random poop on our front lawn and we don't know what it was, whose it was. In one way I'm like, why are you doing that? And the other way I'm like, thank you for taking this for the team. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, you're actually just really happy and it makes me happy. Her water broke all over my couch. I rushed her to the vet, turned out she wasn't pregnant and that dog's gonna have false pregnancies. I feel like she's more like my child than my best friend. Like she's still a puppy, so she's a lot of work. She can't talk to me, but I feel like she can. Like, I talk to her all day long, which I don't think is crazy. I consider Brooklyn my soulmate, and I will tell my fiancé straight up that my dog is my soulmate. Okay, so let's say you don't just adopt a good dog, but you adopt the best dog in the world. I'm talking about a dog who is cute, gentle, well-behaved, and could potentially be one of the hottest influencers on Instagram. Well, it turns out there's people whose job it is to manage the careers of celebrity dogs, like dogs who are celebrities themselves, because it takes more than an iPhone and a silly costume to make those doggy dollars. Lonnie Edwards is one of those dogagers. She's the founding member and partner of the Dog Agency and has managed the social accounts of some big name pups like Toast Meets World, Tuna Melts My Heart, Ella Bean, and Knox the Docks. Bustle's viral editor, Emma Lord, sat down with Lonnie to hear how she determines if certain dogs have what it takes to make it big time. Okay, first question. Let's start with what you do. Tell us about the dog agency. What is it? How do you how do you spend your days? <laughs> so the dog agency is the first talent management agency to focus on pet influencers. We've been around about two and a half years, and I think right now we have around 140 clients under management. Wow. So somebody comes, I come to you, I have a cat. This cat has no followers. This cat maybe does not have any talents. Is there like something that like, is that you know a scenario that's happened to you before? Like, and what's your first move in that case? Yeah, we get tons of emails like that. We get emails from people who don't even have pets yet and are looking to find a pet that has the potential to become a star. We don't sign those people uh, or pets. We look for influence, pet influencers that have already established a following, have proven the concept, shown that there's a brand there and people want more of it. And then we help them take that to the next level. That sort of leads into my next question is like, what kind of uh, money can a, a pet influencer make, like depending on like how large their following is? Yeah, so there's a lot of money to be made. It's, it is dependent on the following and the engagement numbers, but our top clients are getting around 10 to 15K per sponsored piece of content. Wow, that's amazing. So what is something that people like tend to overlook when they're starting a pet social media account? Like if they're just starting out or even if, you know, they have like a a little bit of a following, but they, you know, (laughs) they kind of hit that rut where they, you know, stop getting more followers after that. General best practices are to have a strong brand. So have that identity. Um, An example, Ella Bean's one of our clients. She's essentially a fashion blogger in dog form. So when you come to her page, you know exactly what you're going to get. She's wearing the coolest fashion. She's traveling the world. Uh, So figuring out what that brand identity is, staying consistent with it, just like with any traditional consumer brand, you want to be consistent with your branding. And then creating good quality content, so um, really pretty photographs or videos, having good captions that draw people in, and then just posting regularly and being consistent, engaging with your audience um, are, are kind of the ways to get going. And are there other things that people should consider before they decide to, like, maybe some, like, drawbacks or, you know, things that they should definitely prepare themselves for if they're, if they're looking into this route? 
Yeah, so it, it's a lot of work. So <laughs> people see that they can make a lot of money. It, it seems really fun. It is very fun, but it does take a lot of time. So coming up with the concepts for the content, uh, creating that content regularly, editing it, coming up with the captions. Uh, when you are doing campaigns, that's even more work because then you're actually doing work for a brand. Um, and so just keeping in mind that it is a big time commitment and then making sure the pet enjoys it too. So yeah. at the end of the day, <laughs> it needs to be fun. So if if your dog or cat or whatever pet you have doesn't like to pose for photographs, doesn't like to kind of perform in that sense, then maybe it's not the best fit. So just making sure that it's, it's fun and enjoyable for both you and the pet. Yeah. Do you see any like trends in, in like, you know, this year, like things that tend to keep coming up? <laughs> uh, I think as far as, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a trend, but people are thinking of their pets more and more as their children. And so people are traveling with their pets. So a lot of pet travel has really been kind of taking front and center. And so there's a lot of content around that now. Wow, man, my imaginary cat and I want to go traveling too. <laughs> I think just having a unique point of view and having something different that draws people in at the end of the day is is what's going to work and staying consistent with that. Like another one of our clients, Popeye the Foodie, went crazy viral just because it was this amazing heartwarming story of this dog that was rescued, uh, basically this homeless dog that now is like eating at all the nicest restaurants in L.A. And (laughs) (laughs) it was just like very sweet and heartwarming and different. And it has that foodie element. So obviously there's a lot of food bloggers and food content on Instagram plus the cute dog. Another client, Lubatina, went viral for giving hugs in Chelsea here in New York. So as long as there's something special and unique that has the potential to rise above, it'll, it can work. That's so cute. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What do you see, uh, you know, in the if, as the future for this? Like, you know, this is even in the past few years, it's just blown up and become such an economic opportunity that, you know, jobs <laughs> like yours exist. Uh, what do you think is like the next big step? Yeah, so it's it's continuing to grow. It's growing really rapidly. Uh, as far as next steps, we're doing more things beyond social. So we're working on books with clients, merchandise opportunities, uh, and other things that kind of live outside of Instagram. Yeah. Gotta love any coffee table book with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely 100%. Before we get to the rest of the episode, I want to tell you about the Bustle Huddle's new Facebook group, which you should totally join right now. In the group, we're going to be continuing the chats from the episodes, posting behind-the-scenes content, and getting to know each other a bit better. Search for The Bustle Huddle on Facebook to join. All right. So as we mentioned, one of Lonnie's most famous celebrity dog clients was Toast Meets World, a King Charles Cavalier who amassed almost 400,000 Instagram followers with the help of her social media-savvy owner, Katie Storino. But last year, Toast, like all dogs, went to heaven. I sat down with Katie to learn about the process of rescuing Toast, turning her into a star, and the legacy she hopes Toast leaves here on Earth. Thanks so much for coming to the studio, Katie. Thank you for having me. So when we decided to do this episode on pets, your name came up immediately. Actually, it wasn't your name. It was Toast's (laughs) name. (laughs) Um, Because we were thinking about how much we all love the animals in our lives um, and how we can't really think about what it's going to be like when they're gone mm. um, and how it must feel or what it would feel like to have to mourn that animal publicly. And we know that that's something that you unfortunately had to experience pretty recently. But well, I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about Toast, like what the adoption process was like and 
you know, welcoming this animal into your life, and then how you decided to make Toast a star. Or did Toast make themselves a star? That's a better question, maybe. (laughs) Uh, I adopted Toast from a shelter in Brooklyn. She was brought up from a puppy mill in North Carolina. There she was used uh, as a breeding mom. So a lot of people don't know that puppy mills are uh, kind of like a factory farm for the pet industry. Like all the pet stores you see when you're walking by and all the cute dogs in the window, they are products of those puppy mills. So I'm, I really tried to use her platform to educate people about that. Um, but before she was had a platform or had like a book or anything like that, she was a stinky mess. And um, I remember walking in to pick her up at the like meeting point where the transport was dropping them. Um, and all these people were picking up their foster dogs and I had res- I had reserved the King Charles that was coming up from North Carolina to to foster her. I walked in and I saw her with another girl actually, and they were like filling out paperwork. And I was like, oh, that that's like a Ruby King Charles, but maybe someone else. Ha- maybe there's two. I don't know. And then she was leaving with her, and I had to stop her. And I was like, hold up, is that? Is that the dog I'm supposed to be fostering? And they were like, you're Katie. Her name's Katie. We thought that was you. Mm. And she was about to leave with a toast. So history would have been changed wow. big time, right? Yeah. I mean, imagine that life, that toast, that alternate life she could have lived. Yeah. As a snoozy yeah. dog. I know. Um, no fame. She's meant know. to be a star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, her name was Bijou at the time. They because always have, They like, always have the, the, worst the weird names, stripper like, names. My yeah. dog was named... I think they were just calling her. Well, her mom's name was Fifi. Stripper. Yeah. And then I had a cat named like Punk. Punk is, okay, Punk is pretty cute. I mean, mean, I was like, I'll take Punk over Bijou. Yeah. Or like Suze was what Muppet was called. Um, Paisley Mm. was what Cheese was called. Uh, These, I always think that they just sound like dancers. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so took Toast home. Uh, Her mouth was totally rotted out. She was only five years old, but her teeth were all all rotted out because of the puppy mill. But she was so loving right from the start. She was very special. And at what point were you like, this dog's a star? I could see people's reactions to her in person, and I knew that she was special because of that. But I started to see that Instagram was a place that you could, you know, share things. And I noticed on my personal account that the stories of the dogs always perform the best. I was like, oh, I'll, like, I'll just make an account for her. And then after that, I was like, what, what's out here in the world of dog Instagram? It was Boo and it was Tuna. I looked and there was like a King Charles Spaniel out in California. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Like, I think she can actually be pretty famous. And and let me be very clear. No one was with me. No one thought this was, like, a cool thing to do, a good idea, something sane people do. And I started putting time into it. How and, much time? Uh, <laughs> uh, That's always what I wonder. Like, like, well, it, it, like, time? It, yeah. it became a second job. So, really, I I was in public relations. So, I had contacts in the media. So, I started pitching her out as if she were a client. But people were like, who cares? Because dog Instagram wasn't a thing. I had an outfit made for her so that she looked like Joaquin Phoenix from the movie Her. (laughs) Like the high pants? The high high (laughs) pants and the red shirt and the strap bag and everything. And that was very funny for me and very troubling for my loved ones. But then I sent that out to, like, press, and I was like, hey, like, dog dresses as, like, top Oscar movies. It took, like, a little bit of time, but I— eventually caught the attention of 
Eva Chen. And Boom. she, yeah, she liked some of, like, my fashion posts, I think. Um, and then she was like, I want to do a comedy video with you where we interview Toast for, like, a job. Leandra Medine saw that, and we did, like, a Who Wore It Better for Man Repeller. And then it it just became, like, a, a thing. People were like, what is this Toast, Toast, fashion dog? And then she became the model for Karen Walker, which is super weird because they were human sunglasses, and they just did it on a dog. And it was, like— it's incredible. How does she handle herself on set? This is why Toast is special is because she was a professional, but, like, a real professional. Like, she just had it. And I and I don't mean to sound like a real lunatic, but she did. Like, I, you put pants on set or, like, I mean, Cheese would, like, take a poop, like, in front of the camera. Like, Toast just knew how to get the shot. I could read her when she was tired. I could tell when she was done. I could tell her what I needed so that we could be done. Like, it was just... We had an incredible communication. And then as she's blowing up and you're getting she's getting more followers, you know, people are gravitating towards toast. It's you know, people are attaching themselves emotionally to this dog. What kind of responsibility did you feel as her mom? I felt an immense responsibility to make sure that people got access to her. I really enjoyed when fans would be able to meet her and hold her and cry and, like, be have this, like, special experience with her. Because she was very special to hold. She was, like, a big lump of dough. She was very heavy. She didn't squirm. She just—it was just a very unique experience. So I really felt like I wanted to get her in front of people. In terms of, like, the rescue element— I wanted to make sure people knew that Toast was a rescue and that you could rescue any breed you wanted. You just had to be patient and you had to work hard to do it. Because I started to get all these messages, I'm going to go buy a King Charles or people Mm -hmm. at City Pups totally misunderstanding and like holding a ruby puppy and being like, I'm going to get a Toast. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not what we're doing. Unfortunately, Toast is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and then how you decided to tell people about her passing? I think as people, we deal, often deal with death in a way that, like, you, it just doesn't happen to you, right? Like, that's so sad for someone else, but that isn't for me. That won't happen to me. And that's kind of my attitude with Toast. I figured if someone was going to go, it was going to be one of the other dogs, not her. She she was magical. She would live forever. Um, so when she got sick very suddenly, she developed a heart condition. It happened literally overnight. She got better for um for like two weeks. She was fine in the medicine. And the vets were like, oh my God, she's like, she's reacting well, she's turning around. And then almost out of nowhere, I was in Miami for work and I got a call at 10 o'clock at night that she had thrown up blood. And then I I, I will I'll share this with you. I don't think I've said this out loud, but I I couldn't get a hold of my assistant for about 30 minutes. And I got this like really strong sense of light and blurriness. The world got muted and like I felt this like weird light pass through me. And it sounds like I'm on drugs and I'm not. I knew she had passed. And and then a minute later Kate called me and said that she was gone. And I cried I mean I was obviously very emotional. And then I waited a week to tell people because I needed to have my own feelings sorted. And then you, when you have a platform like that, and it's really unfortunate and it's a very odd thing to think about, but when you have a platform like that and people are emotionally attached to a family member, a dog, 
something like that, you you are in the position to come up with a plan to to tell people. And I wanted to do it in a meaningful way. So we waited. We told people we set up a fund right away so that people could have a place to put their feelings. And we raised, I think, over $12,000 for Puppy Mill Rescue. And as soon as I released the news out there, I also released a lot of my emotion around it because so much love came back. I really got to see what a life she had and what change she made for the rescue world. Yeah, I mean, she gave so much right? to so many other people, but then now to so many other animals that need it. Yeah. Like, what a beautiful legacy. Yeah. Do you have any tips for people who have recently lost a pet? Now, this will be controversial advice, but get another dog. Get another pet. Because there are so many who need they, love. They all need love. And I think one of the crucial things that helped me heal was that we had just taken in cheese. We were fostering cheese. Um, I think a month before a month before Toast got sick, we took in cheese to foster. And she she had no idea about the situation. Like she just was like chilling. And then this happened and all this stuff like changed. And she just didn't she didn't know about that. But her energy really helped. Because it was just like this, like Muppet and Pants were so sad, and um, Cheese didn't really know about it. So she was just kind of like, hey, like, and that was helpful for me to like kind of focus in on a new thing. And it doesn't mean you don't love your dog or your cat or your turtle, it just means that you're helping save someone else. Absolutely. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So is there ever a time when the house is covered in dog hair and you're like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> this happens once a day. It's not yeah. dog hair. It's dog pee. Yep. Do you have this issue? I mean, no matter how well they are trained, they are, they still, everything is a bathroom. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it makes me feel better to hear you say that because mm-hmm. everyone like in my life looks at me like I'm a crazy hoarder person that really, yeah. so you, you, how many accidents do you clean up a day? Two maybe. Okay. So I, I deal with that a lot. I really like my wet vacuum. Mm. I use it a lot. Burning candles, we use like, you know, we have like a Swiffer wet jet and then just like constantly cleaning. Like weekends, I'm like, why are we constantly cleaning? Yes. Yes. I'm always like, didn't I just do this? Yeah. But I love them so much. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. And and so I've got four in the home. Um, Are you starting to grow their followings? Are they... How do they have the star power? Are they going to be the next it dogs? 
The one thing that's been that has changed is that the social media feed has been a little off. I introduced Cheese to people. They love her. Cheese's thing is that she's just like a wild maniac, and it's hard to get that in the same type of like social feed that Toast had. Muppet and Pants have always had their own accounts, and they're like, you know, they're like fine. Like, I think Pants has like 35,000 followers. Muppet has like 70,000 followers. What makes most sense to me is to put everyone on Toast's account and then change it to some sort of a Golden Girls scenario where you can just play off their individual personalities because they do have distinct social media personalities. And I like that. I just don't have the name yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. I'm going to do a contest. Contest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Prize, you get to to take one of the dogs. You get to clean up the pee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, this has been great. I could talk about dogs and animals all day. And thank you so much for sharing that story. It was really beautiful. Um, Where can people find you, what you're working on next? Um, I know you're also in charge of a beauty line. Mega Babe. Okay. So Mega Babe stems, uh, is kind of a piggyback off of my blog, The 12-ish Style, which is where I just try to help women feel more comfortable about themselves and less alone in their body type and their body feelings. And that's what Mega Babe does. We're tackling issues like thigh chafe, like chub rub, boob sweat. We're taking on those issues that are traditionally ignored by the beauty industry. That's awesome. And where can people buy the products if they're interested? Megababebeauty.com. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. So back to my Frankie. Frankie is not celebrity dog material. And part of that has to do with her temper. She's super anxious, especially with me. And it's been kind of tough. Personally, I'm still working through how I feel about it. Do you want something to say? You want something to say, Franks? I wanted to get a dog, I think, for all the same reasons anybody wants to get a dog. I wanted companionship. I wanted snuggles. I wanted, like, a creature that would be just, like, a part of my life. When my um, husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and I decided to get a dog, we were just really excited to do it because we were excited to have this new thing to enjoy together. And I also felt like, you know, I was ready to kind of give an animal more of my own love and hopefully receive some love in return, which did not, (laughs) not exactly come to fruition. It didn't really go as planned. Uppies, can you do uppies? Can you do uppies? Uppies, Frankie. Oh, yeah. The first time we saw Frankie. She had been rescued from a hoarder's house. She was living in the basement. She could like fit in your two hands put together. She was the sweetest thing you'd ever seen. She looked so helpless and she had this like pink nose and these like perfectly round spots on her back. I mean, it was just like the quintessential puppy. There wasn't really one moment where I thought, Frankie is more into Jeff than me. It's been kind of an ongoing thing ever since she was a puppy. Um, She would always, like, sleep closer to him or, you know, just get more excited when he came home. Um, But then over time, it became this thing where, like, he could touch her. He could pick her up. She literally leaps into his arms and 
if I'm like, Frankie, I'm going to pick you up, she starts growling. That's just how she has kind of started seeing the world. There have been times that I'm like, let me just pet you. Let me just put my head on you. And she will jump off the couch or she will run away from me. You know, I wanted us to have a stronger relationship. So I reached out to a trainer in Brooklyn. Her name is Jen Strum. She's with Friend of the Furry. And Jen came to my house and worked with me and Jeff on some things that we can do to build a better relationship with Frankie. Frankie. Good job. So I'm kind of letting Frankie come to me. Yeah. There we go. Yes, I am a food giver. <laughs> Good girl. So if I go underneath like this, I don't know if you could see what I'm doing, but if I put my hand under her chin yeah. here, she's likely to come towards me. Mm-hmm. I'm, with a lot of dogs, if you go over their head, they will either back up or otherwise. Do- Jen had me sit on the floor and just wait for Frankie to come over. And I would have a treat. And if she came over and if I could just boop her nose, like boop, I'd give her the treat. And then Frankie, because she's Frankie, she would immediately run away. So we did games like that for, you know, about a half an hour. Then Jen also just kind of like, you know, she's a animal behavior specialist. So she also just really works on like why and how pets act the way that they do. But also I think she was really receptive to hearing about my feelings <laughs> Um, of which I obviously had many, and kind of giving me just, like, advice about how to look at my relationship with Frankie. Well, yeah, like, if, if I want to be able to pick her up, if, like, you know, we're at the dog park or at the vet, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, I want to be able to yeah, be able to, like, be a dog parent in a way where mm-hmm. I can, like, move her body the way I right. do, as opposed to, like, yeah, she doesn't want to cuddle with me every night. It's like, we have these two cats. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to, like... Yeah. Have some, be able to level of assertiveness over her when I need to. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, like I said, it is a relationship. So you want to think of it kind of like another person. I'm going to come to her side yeah. for a second here. Good girl. Okay. Here you go. Yeah, it really is a um, conversation. So every time she's backing away, I have to think about the fact that, you know, she is telling me something. But yeah. every time she comes back to you, she's also telling you something. Yeah. Right. So when you say you, you know, one thing she said that really stuck with me is, you know, um, why do you expect this dog to be excited to see you or to be affectionate? Or why do you expect this dog to give you everything that you want? You don't expect that from a stranger you meet on the street. And, you know, the more you develop a rapport and, a tr- and trust with somebody, the more likely they are to, like, trust you back and to give you what you want. But we don't necessarily do that for strangers immediately and dogs have like a similar perspective that allowed me to sort of like come to terms with a lot of the things in, about Frankie that I struggle with and our relationship that I struggle with but also like forced me to like okay this is on me to try a little bit harder to gain her trust I think she's just so suspicious yeah and that's time. the thing so it's just gonna take some time to change her suspicions right but when you change her suspicions mm-hmm. you're gonna feel that that changes her associations with you yeah. because it's more about those things it's not personal it's not it's personal because like, like you that. can even see right now she's yeah. going away from everybody the same way yeah. but I would say that what you want is to have more activity with her as well yeah because you really want to add value to your relationship mm-hmm. with her and every little activity that you do with her is gonna, is gonna add value yeah When you invest in a dog, you're saying to this animal, I'm going to take care of you for the rest of your life. 
And that was like a commitment I was sure to make with this dog. So it means committing to an animal that's never really going to give you what you want. I know that like this is just how it's going to be. And then I'm going to like be rejected by her sometimes and I'm going to have to be okay with that. There is this other lady in my house (laughs) who uh, doesn't want to give me the time of day. And that, yeah, that keeps me humble. And I think that that's important to recognize that that doesn't mean the relationship is without merit or, you know, not valuable. It's actually extremely valuable. How does Frankie say goodnight? Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. She's silent. So that's it for today's show, but I want to keep talking about pets. So please send me photos of your cats and dogs and mice and ferrets and parakeets on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag Bustle Huddle. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review on iTunes and join the Bustle Huddle Facebook group to continue the conversation. The Bustle Huddle is produced by Julia Shu, Michaela Heck, and Anna Parsons. I'm your host, Caitlin Aber, and I'll see you next week. Do you want me to do my Frankie voice on the mic? Yeah. So she likes Rihanna. <laughs> and the song is, Hey Frankie, that's my name. Hey Frankie, it's not my name. Nah, nah. <laughs> Goodbye. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.